It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. Question for you. How much would you pony up for a big game hunting tag? Specifically, a Utah Antelope Island deer tag that was auctioned off at the Mule Deer Foundation's Western Hunt Expo. Well, one person was willing to pay $700,000 for that deer tag, which definitely set a record for the most expensive tag at a fundraising event ever. From the Honey Wire, Luke Thorkildson from Weatherby reports that although this event was put on by the Mule Deer Foundation, the Mule Deer Foundation itself isn't exactly benefiting from this. They are keeping some money for executing the sale, getting people in the room, and paying the auctioneer, but other than that, all of the money is going to the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources. And what are they going to do with it? Well, apparently this money is going to be used for various projects like habitat restoration, access, fence removal, and other things deemed necessary to help out wildlife in the Beehive State. In fact, Utah can even get more than $700,000. There's several federal grants out there, but they all require at least a 25% match. So it is quite feasible that Utah could actually end up with over a million dollars that can be applied for work or habitat restoration or maybe even habitat purchase like the new Rice Creek Wildlife Management Area. All in all, it's a great example of what non-government organizations are doing to benefit wildlife here in the United States. This week on the show, we've got three great guests for you in just a minute. You're going to hear from Steve Crook. He's the guest services manager at Sportsman's Cove Lodge in southeast Alaska, a place I get to go to every summer, and I'll be going to again. And you might be able to as well, because they've got a screaming deal for July 8th through the 11th. And if you've always wanted to go to a luxury fishing lodge in Alaska, you are going to want to hear about this. Another guest we'll have today is my fellow outdoors writer and friend, Brandon Butler. He lives in Columbia, Missouri, and he's going to give you some suggestions about things to do in May in Missouri when it comes to fishing, hunting, and more. After we talk to Brandon, we're going to have an extended conversation with Scott Haugen, that very well-known outdoors writer, editor, book author, television host, and booking agent, too, who lives in Oregon State. For the first part of our conversation, Scott's going to talk about an article he wrote for Peterson's Hunting that's all about hunting high-elevation turkeys, something that just blew me away. I've always just figured that the turkeys are in the lowlands and the farmlands, but no, there's some very good turkey hunting to be had, even at the snow line, and Scott will tell you about that. When you think of snow, you think of cold places, and when I think of cold places, I think of Alaska, especially in the winter. But September can be an awfully nice time to go because you can actually do a cast and blast trip up there at Cold Bay where you can catch coho salmon, go hunting for ptarmigan, and oh yes, do all sorts of hunting for ducks too. That's not the only place in Alaska you can go for hunting. You can also go to St. Paul Island. That place most of us associate with deadliest catch is also a very good place for waterfowl hunting. Scott will give you all the details about these trips and give you some prices in case you want to go up there and take advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime waterfowl trip that you won't forget. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at both Henry Repeating Arms and WorkSharp. You see, 
these two companies, they're kind of like peanut butter and jelly in a certain way. You see, first you get your rifle or shotgun, maybe even a 12-gauge camo turkey shotgun from Henry Repeating Arms. And that shotgun, just like all of their firearms, are made right here in America. I love that about Henry Repeating Arms. I also love the fact that all of their products have a lifetime satisfaction guarantee, that they're rugged, they're reliable, and they shoot accurate right out of the box. You can find an authorized dealer near you and check out the entire lineup of products from Henry Repeating Arms to include some brand new rifles and revolvers, no less, at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. And don't forget to ask for your decals and sticker while you're there. Well, after you've got your rifle or shotgun, well, it's time to go ahead and sharpen up that knife because you're going to probably harvest something with that rifle or shotgun, whether it be a deer, whether it be a turkey or something else, and you have to clean it and butcher it. And you don't want to be trying to do that with a dull knife in the field. Oh, no, that makes for a miserable experience and a lot of lost meat, too. Nope, you want to have a very sharp knife when you get to work on that animal. And you can do so by sharpening that knife at home in your shop with a powered knife and tool sharpener. There's several available from WorkSharp. And you can also bring a pocket knife sharpener or a guided field sharpener with you in the field in case you need to sharpen that knife in the middle of butchering that animal. You can check out the entire lineup of knife and tool sharpeners from WorkSharp by just going to their website. You'll find that at WorkSharpTools.com. You can also find WorkSharp products all over the United States in quality sporting goods stores. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we're going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite places in the world. That would be Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. I've been going there for years, and the reason I go is because I love the fishing for halibut, for salmon, for lingcod, and more. I love the hospitality. There is a guest-to-staff ratio of literally one-to-one. Only 30 guests are there at a time, and there's like 30, 31 staff members to take care of your every need. I love fishing off the boats there, and I just love the whole experience. It's just amazing, and that's why I'm excited to have Steve Cook on board. He is the guest services manager for... Sportsman's Cove Lodge, and I understand you've got a screaming deal on a trip in July. Tell us about it, Steve. Yes, sir, we do. We have a great opportunity for folks who are still looking to come fishing this summer and don't have a reservation. We have a, a three-day trip early in July, arriving the 8th, fishing the 9th, 10th, and 11th. Those are all before the cutoff of kings going down retention of two down to one. You can still keep two kings during then. The halibut are biting great early, and uh, we're offering buy one, get one half off on, on the spots remaining on that trip. So that's what, like a $2,000 savings? Yes, it's, it's over 2000 It was pushing $4,800, and so we're going to offer two of them. We're even chipping more than buying one, giving half off. It's going to be 7000 for the two spots, which is a pretty smoking deal for a remote flying lodge with, with guided angling in Alaska. Wow. So normally 9600 and you're going to get it for 7000 That is a deal that's not going to last. I have fished that week before. The fishing can be very good that week in July. I know this from personal experience. And again, the opportunity to fish... What's billed as Alaska's Best Lodge, because I truly believe it is Alaska's Best Lodge, is waiting for you, but you better hurry. Do you have any other openings this summer at all? We do have some ones and some twos throughout the season. We don't have any big blocks left, but we do have a couple of ones and twos all throughout the season. We um, we have some, uh, a two late in July. We have a couple um, towards when that second run of silver is that late August, early September for those big coho. we got a couple spots left on that one. And I guess I should ask, are you full up staff-wise, or are you still looking for a few employees? I believe we have found everybody that we need. I know that folks were hard to come by, not just at your resort, but it seemed like at all the resorts in Alaska last year. So 
glad that that situation is going well. But again, folks, if you want to get pampered, enjoy some great fishing in a comfortable setting and a beautiful setting, you can see tons of wildlife up there too, go to alaskasbestlodge.com. That's the website, alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. And reach out to Steve Crook through the website. Just phone him up and get booked on this. Now, you can have the whole boat, which is six people, or you can book as a couple or book as a group of four or three, whatever you like. But again, hurry up. This is a screaming deal, and it's not going to last very long at all. Steve, thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you so much, John. And now it's time for one of my favorite segments to air on this show. It's record fish time. And this one comes to us from Oklahoma, where there is a new record holder for the red ear sunfish. The angler who reeled it in, that would be Cord Smith. He's from Cheyenne, Oklahoma. Looks to be a young teenager. And he reeled in this record sunfish from a pond in Roger Mills County. Cord's catch tipped the scales at 2 pounds, 5.6 ounces, and it measured 13.5 inches in length. That is one heck of a sunfish. Well done, Cord. Congratulations. If you want to see a picture of that fish, just go to the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation Facebook page. Congratulations on your new record. Stick around. We'll be right back to talk to Brandon Butler about May in Missouri. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display, or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants, and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. In today's news, I'm cooking a brisket. Let's go to Jill at my house to see how it's going. This is your house and you brought me and the crew to check on your brisket? That's correct, Jill. How's it looking? This is a Camp Chef Woodwind Wi-Fi. You know you, you can check your cook right from your phone, right? I didn't know that was an option, Jill. Well, never mind. But before you leave, can you feed the dog? What? No, no. When we get back, why is my check engine light on? The answer may shock me. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. That's americaoutdoorsradio.com. Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might just get away. americaoutdoorsradio.com.
Welcome back to America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Last month, we did April in Arkansas with Brian Hendricks talking about fishing and hunting opportunities in the natural state. This month, we are doing May in Missouri. And with us here to tell you about some great fishing and hunting opportunities in the Show Me State is Brandon Butler. He's a outdoors writer, a columnist, and he is also the co-host of Driftwood Outdoors, a great podcast you should listen to. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's always nice to visit with you. Well, it's always great to have you on board. And I guess we should start off with turkey season because it's ending this weekend. How has the season been? Well, I couldn't tell you much about the season because so far mine only lasts about an hour. I was lucky (laughs) enough to get one opening day. And, you know, there's some proof that the numbers here, along with a lot of neighboring states, are declining. We're in a, a depressed turkey population state at the moment so killing two isn't really necessary went to indiana and got my second bird but i I gotta tell you it was a a cool hunt though man i wrote a story about it it's on driftwoodoutdoors.com and online in a number of the newspapers i write for but i went to an auction last september and it was an all-day deal it was super hot out and there was a table and rack of hunting clothes and equipment that i had been waiting on for like 10 hours and finally, they get to it, and at that point, the crowd had dispersed, so they were nearly giving this stuff away. Nice. And I didn't need another turkey vest, but I went ahead and bought one. And when I got it home, there was all kinds of stuff in the pockets, like calls and a whole box of three-and-a-half-inch shells. But what moved me, like what made me really reflective and somewhat sad, was a half-drank bottle of water and uh, a bag of snacks, oh, which wow. told me that this old man... He never dreamed that was the last time he was hanging up his turkey vest, you know? And then I thought, well, when will be the last time I hang up my turkey vest? Will I know it's the last time or will it, you know, will death come when least expected? So I thought nobody in his family is interested in taking this vest or equipment and carrying it forward into the woods. So I took this stranger's vest and wore it and loaded my gun with his shells and, you know, went hunting by myself and, thought, come on, old man, let's have one more good hunt for you. And it turned into a beautiful hunt. I shot a big, mature gobbler with about an inch and three-quarter spur, which is just huge back here. So that was pretty special. Uh, It means a lot to me to have those kind of hunts, you know. Brandon, that is an absolutely beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Let's turn our attention to fishing. you got all sorts of opportunities in Missouri right now, don't you? So the spring trifecta in Missouri is to kill a turkey, catch a crappie, and find a morel mushroom all in the same day. <laughs> Didn't complete it in the same day, but completed it in three days this year. Crappie fishing is on fire right now. All the big reservoirs, Lake of the Ozarks, Truman, Table Rock, Palm de Terre, Stockton, Mark Twain. Like We are the gluttonous, overstuffed version of America when it comes to reservoir fishing in Missouri. Like we have it so good here. It is um it is just remarkable how much crappie water we have. And now is the time of year that guys are just busy filling their freezers. You know, you're going out and getting limits almost every time you go if you know what you're doing a little bit. And if you don't, then just use your side imaging sonar until you find a brush pile and see some fish on it. Nothing but dipping a jig is all you got to do and fill up a bucket of crappies. But also, man, in two weekends, me and my co-host Shags and another friend Adam and a few others, we're going to do a a two-day walleye fishing trip on Stockton. So Missouri isn't normally thought of 
as a walleye state. Right. But we have some incredible walleye fishing with a guy named Chris Nelson, Tandem Fly Outfitters. We're going to be on the Gasconade fishing smallmouth, kind of like medium big river that has an incredible smallmouth population. And then we'll be down in the Ozarks fly fishing and floating for trout, mainly brown trout. That's what we target. Memorial Day weekend. So crappie, walleye, smallmouth, trout, basically four weekends in a row. Oh, this sounds fantastic. Let's hit on the morel mushrooms and tell me a little bit about this opportunity this month. Well, they're popping right now in certain areas. It's been a tough year. We had a really beautiful April in my book. (laughs) I like temperatures in the 60s, so I thought it was a beautiful April because it was cool at night. It would get warmer during the day, but not hot, but it was dry. So the morels need moisture and heat. You're looking for a ground temperature of around 55 degrees for them to really start popping big time. So I know there's some guys that have done very well. They've made some Facebook posts, but most of my friends are reporting a down year. And that's kind of where I'm at as well. I have not found hardly any. So it's been a down year for me on morels. It's been an up year for me on sheds because as I'm getting more and more frustrated about not finding morels, I walk further and find more sheds. But the mushrooms just aren't out there. Well, I love how you're I making you have, uh, lemonade out of lemons there, so that's a good point. Yeah, we got morels out there too, right? We do. Yeah, so out west, when I lived in Montana, you know, for anybody listening out there, the burn areas that are over a year old, man, I still fantasize about the morel hunting out there. It can begin. Unfortunately, you've had so many wildfires out west that the morel mushroom hunting is, is pretty good as of recent years. But, hey, want to talk about something different. You're involved with a project Prairie Profits. And folks, if you go to prairieprofits.com, you can find out more about this. Why don't you tell us what you're doing here? Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. So I work in renewable energy. I work for a company called Raceline Alternative Energy. We make renewable natural gas from anaerobically digested swine manure. So uh, we're capturing the methane, upgrading it, and using it as a transportation fuel to power semi-trucks, UPS trucks, buses here in Columbia, Missouri. So I'm real proud of that. But we just received an $80 million grant from the USDA, part of the Climate Smart Commodities Grant. The government just put $2.8 billion into a fund for these grants to try to find new avenues of economic gain in agriculture and doing it in a climate smart, sustainable fashion. So I and a couple others work together to write a grant on how we can use prairie plants, restored prairies, so like CRP, Conservation Reserve Program Lands, would be a good example, and cover crops as uh, additional feedstock for our digesters. So we can take that herbaceous biomass and mix it with manure and make it into renewable natural gas. This puts farmers into a secondary crop, allowing them to actually benefit financially off of cover crops, not just ecologically. It's really an exciting concept. We've got five years of funding to establish this and move it forward as a market. We're building a whole new market in agriculture for prairie grass and and cover crops. And out of that money, there's a nice amount of money that we're using for public education, which these grants are only as good as the amount of people that adopt it, right? So hopefully, you know, through the public education arm, which we call Prairie Profits, will educate people about the importance of prairie and cover crops and slow and erosion and block and runoff, but also 
how they can get involved in this as a landowner, as a farmer, or maybe even just the person that wants a backyard pollinator plot. We're doing a show called Prairie Profits. It's structured just like a regular television show. Each episode is 22 minutes long. Right now, they're available, the first three episodes, on prairieprofits.com and also on YouTube. But we're really hoping, and we think the quality is there, to be picked up by a Netflix or a, a major streaming service. And, you know, there's just not a lot of educational shows out there about agriculture, conservation, and renewable energy. So I think it's very interesting how we can tie them all together. There's also a podcast that that is accompanying that as well, and it's also Prairie Profits, and it'll be a weekly half-hour podcast. So if anybody is interested in ag, conservation, or renewable energy, I highly encourage you to check out these shows, subscribe on YouTube, and I think you'll learn something and be pretty impressed with where some of your tax dollars are being spent. Well, check it all out, folks, at prairieprofits.com. That's profit like Moses the prophet, prairieprofits.com. And... Check out Brandon's website, too, at driftwoodoutdoors.com, and definitely listen to the podcast and read some of those articles, too. Brandon, thanks for sharing May in Missouri with our listeners today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you. Why book at Sportsman's Cove Lodge? Why is Alaska like no other place on Earth? It hasn't changed in thousands of years. From the way you get here on a float plane to the way you go out with the guides and the boats, it's just a professional experience. And I said, this is as good as it gets. I said, if you can't catch fish here, you can't catch fish anywhere. Your experience with us will leave you speechless. Book now at alaskasbestlodge.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Scott Haugen on the line. He is that prolific outdoors writer and editor and television host. And he wrote a great article that's in Peterson's Hunting. It's all about strategies to bag high country turkey, which is something that is very new to me. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Nice to be back. You know, you live in Oregon. And when I think of turkey hunting, I think of hunting in places like Douglas County, Oregon, in Southwest Oregon, which is low country and is just chock full of turkeys. But you've got this whole article about going high, like 3,500 feet plus high to go after turkeys. I didn't even really know they resided in that country. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of people don't. And it's, you know, you bring up a really good point. You know, here here I live in western Oregon in the Willamette Valley. And and a lot of birds, and not just in Oregon, but in Washington and and a lot of different states, when states were trying to get wild turkey populations established, they turned them loose initially at higher elevations, not on private land, uh, on public land. And so many of the birds throughout the country, really, just migrated, navigated down to farmland, where the climate was better, there was more food, you know, fewer predators.
years, and a lot of the birds then throughout the like late 70s and 80s were then trapped off the private properties and taken back up into the high country, or higher elevation, I should say, public land. But again, they moved back, and so they're really prevalent on, you know, kind of like what you would think, you know, private land, farm fields, that, that type of thing. But there are quite a few birds up high. Um, granted, they're spread out, but throughout all of the western states, you can find a lot of turkeys up high. Now, they don't winter there, but what happens uh, are, are the hens, a lot of the hens will travel 12, 15 miles, even more, to the nesting site, and they use the same nesting site every year. And a lot of times, if they take off early in the season to reach those nesting grounds, once they've been bred, then they start their journey up to their nesting grounds, and a lot of times at high elevations, and frequently those toms will follow and they'll just hang out with her all spring long up high. There were some really interesting tips and tactics you had. Now, number one, I noticed when you were hunting these high country toms, you were going like up on a high ridge line. And from there, why is that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was like elk hunting. I mean, you're getting way up high, and, and you, you really want your sounds to carry. And if you can get on a ridge and travel up or down, and luckily you don't have to worry about the wind with turkey hunting, but you're just calling off, I like calling off both sides of the ridges. So, you know, if I'm hiking on a ridge that runs east to west, I can, you know, kind of bop back and forth and call on the north and south sides all the way down the ridge. It might be, you know, a few hundred yards or it might be two or three miles, depending on the length of the ridge. So sometimes you're picking up the toms on the ridge that you're hunting, but a lot of times you're picking them up across the canyon or down in draws below, especially if it's windy. A lot of times they'll hop off of those ridges and get down in the timber down below you in the cover. And by using a really loud box call, I like using a, a long boated box call so I can really get that volume echoing across those canyons and the opposite ridge lines. Then you can figure out where the toms are. So the challenging part here is you want to be in shape for these hunts because when you get a tom that's gobbling up mile, mile and a half away, and, you know, you're looking at him through binoculars or even a spotting scope to make sure, you know, he has the beard you want, then a lot of times that bird will not cover that big, rugged terrain, so you're going to have to hike and, and get after that bird. Something else that was really interesting in the article is, you mentioned the fact that, you know, the toms, they're willing to come uphill, but generally yep. speaking, they're not willing to go downhill. Why is that? Th that's a good question. I've just had a lot better uh, luck in, in big country of these birds going, going uphill versus downhill downhill and I don't know if it's a dominance thing or or if it's a you know thing that they actually know that okay if I go downhill it's going to take me longer to get back up to the hen if another tom moves in you know where I can't you know be with her if, if I have a chance to breed her so so I think you know they can travel you know they can travel through a lot of thick cover and a lot of steep terrain it's pretty surprising but I but I think it might just come down to the fact that they don't want to give up access to the hen that they're with or that the hens that they have their eye on and if they go uphill they can easily run downhill or fly downhill and get back to her pretty quick so again i don't know if i'm overthinking the thing but it's uh, something that i've seen very common uh gosh over more than 30 years of turkey hunting you know just listening to you talk here it sounds like you're more of a run and gun turkey hunter when it comes to high country toms i'm guessing you're not employing ground blinds Exactly. Yep, yep. You want to be mobile. You know, I'll go light. Sometimes I'll wear a turkey vest. Sometimes I'll just take, you know, just my regular lightweight clothes, put a few diaphragm calls in there, you know, one sleigh call and, and one one box call, and that's it. I just want to be able to cover ground. You know, gosh, one time while we were in Washington, I think we started off the morning at 16 degrees and, yeah, over 3,500 feet elevation, and we, we were up in the snow. I actually killed a bird in the snow uh, up there, and he 
he was strutting like crazy. It was just bitterly cold, and the thing came in gobbling like it was, you know, the middle of May. <laughs> that, that is just amazing to me because it seems so alien that a turkey would be strutting in a climate like that. Yeah, yeah, it is, you know, and, and what was happening there was he, he just followed, there were two toms actually, and they followed a hen up there that, that had moved a long ways up this valley, and, and uh, yeah, it was actually snowing pretty hard that day too, and uh, and they, they were gobbling, they weren't moving, but they were gobbling, so I had to, I had to work in closer to them and ended up calling them about, oh gosh, 100 yards or so, a little more, uh, and they came down an elk trail that that I was actually hunting so it was uh, yeah it, it worked out good but you never know you got to cover a lot of ground with those things a lot of people don't want to work that hard for turkeys so it's just a you know matter of whether or not you're you know looking for a different experience and and uh, you know you can get some elk and deer scouting in while you're there looking you know looking for old rubs or or whatever it is uh, while you're out there uh, let's talk about decoys uh, you use a very interesting one yeah, so my my favorite decoy is actually one that I had mounted myself, a hen that I'd killed in the fall. Uh, we can kill hens uh, where I live in Oregon in the fall season. And uh, I killed it with the intent of skinning her out, and of course we ate her, but skinned her out and, and uh, cured up her, her skin with borax. Then I actually got a big sage grouse for her and a fake turkey head and got some wire legs and just mounted her up myself. And I did a couple of them, and, and those are probably my favorite decoys to use. You know, they don't... They don't look great. <laughs> I would never want to be a taxidermist, I can tell you that. <laughs> but but that realism, you know, the feathers, they'll blow in the wind, the birds approach and don't get, get real nervous. And, uh, you know, it can be a little cumbersome to carry around. But, but it, it's been worth it. It's, it's been such a game changer for me when I'm out there. You know, if you don't want to mount your own, you can take a hand that you kill in the fall to a taxidermist and, and wait till later in the fall when you get them, you know, October, November, so their feathers are good. And, and you can get one done, you know, fairly cheap. Just tell them you want a quick and dirty, you know, job on it. Because birds will get on it. The toms will get on it. They'll attack it. They'll try mounting it. You know, other hens will come in pecking at it, trying to fight it and, and so forth. But it's, it's just, uh, yeah, been a real good option for me and I've used it in the fall as well to, to call in Tom's. All right, we got a minute left. I want you to tell our listeners about your new book, Western Turkey Hunting Strategies for All Levels. Yeah, it's one. It kind of picks up where I left off with with my Blacktail book. That was one of our most popular titles, and it's basically based on the biology of it. You know, being a former biology teacher and, and you know getting a degree in, in wildlife behavior, it, it looks a lot at the the science, the year round behavior of turkeys, their life cycles communication, uh, you know, what all the sounds mean that they make. Things like we talked about, like the migration, you know, for the for the hands where they'll a lot of times move way up in elevation to nest and, you know, how long they live and, and then how to hunt them, of course. And and we also included a section in there uh, devoted just to youth hunting. Tiffany and I raised both of our boys turkey hunting. They, they loved it. It's usually a nice time of year. You know, there's a lot involved with it, a lot of hands-on stuff where kids can call and, you know, you're sighting in guns and shooting loads and so forth. So, yeah, it's a turkey hunting book that focuses on the western United States, and it's meant for everyone, seasoned hunters or, you know, parents who are looking to get their kids out there or go out there with them for beginners as well. Sounds like the perfect book for me. Folks, if you <laughs> want to find out more, check out the latest editions of Peterson's Hunting. Check out Scott's article about strategies for hunting high country toms. And go to scotthaugen.com. That's H-A-U-G-E-N, scotthaugen.com. And get a copy of 
Western Turkey Honey Strategies for all levels. You will definitely get a lot out of it. Scott, would you mind sticking around for the next segment? Because I'd like to talk a little duck hunting with you. Well, certainly. I'll be here. All righty. <laughs> been telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now. They're truly Alaska's best lodge. Wildlife is abundant from bears and deer to eagles and whales. And let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing, halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Ready to step up to a quality-built rifle or shotgun that's a true classic? Check out Henry Repeating Arms, American-made. There's over 200 models to choose from in a variety of finishes and calibers for hunters and target shooters. Many of these are lever-action models with a look right out of the Old West. Don't be deceived, though. Henry Repeating Arms are modern, rugged, accurate, reliable, and have a lifetime guarantee. Find out more and order a free catalog today at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Attention small business owners, this could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. (laughs) 
You're back with the radio. I'm John Cruz, and Scott Haugen is back on the line with us because we just talked turkey hunting, but now we're going to talk duck hunting, and in an unlikely place, it would be the last frontier of Alaska. Scott, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Nice to be back. So you do some bookings for hunts, all sorts of hunts, but every year you do some hunts up in Alaska for ducks. Where do these take place, and what are you hunting for? Yeah, we, we have a couple of places up there that I just absolutely love to go. The, the first is in Cold Bay, Alaska. That's the town, an old uh, Air Force base uh, that, that was there. And the, the hunting, it, it used to be one of the best places in the world for big brown bear. It still is good. But the, Cold Bay is the name of the town, and where you're hunting in the early season is called Eisenbeck Lagoon. So where this is, is if you think about the start of the Alaska Peninsula, this is the last little town on the mainland before, you know, you get into things like Dutch Harbor and, you know, moving down the, the, the Aleutian Island chain there. So it's the last piece of mainland. You can drive there. You have to fly from Anchorage. And uh, the Cold Bay, Eisenbeck Lagoon area is, a, is one that we start hunting September 1st. There's an outfitter there who I've worked with for a long time. We went back in the day when I was doing TV shows. We filmed a number of TV shows with them. And, and it's one of the earlier bird seasons that opens up in the, in the country, September 1st. First. And there are a lot of ducks up there, a lot of pintail, a lot of widgeon, a lot of teal, some mallards in there, and of course, uh, black brant. So the brant are the, the number one spot in the world for black brant. It's the highest concentration. A lot of birds that are nesting up north will start congregating there in August. And, and we have an early season that, again, starts September 1st, and, and you're hunting a mixed bag. There's also really good ptarmigan hunting there and really good fishing early. Some of the best coho fishing I've seen for big coho uh, in Alaska. So the cast and blasting is, is pretty popular. So in September and October, we offer a five-day hunt. People usually go in and on a Saturday, go out on a, on a Friday. We take up to six people, and it's $4,500 per person. And then November and December, it goes up to $5,500 a person. And then we're hunting the Cold Bay side for uh, sea ducks, mostly common eiders, uh, harlequins, long-tailed ducks. There aren't any king eiders that come through there, but the brant are really feathered up well by then. They get a lot of banded brant starting in November, the birds that have migrated down. And a lot of birds now are wintering there, uh, well over 50,000 birds. I think it was over 80,000 this last year that wintered there, whereas it used to be five or 6,000. So the numbers used to be really low. They usually get a few Eurasian widgeon a year out of the, gosh, the, again, the fishing early in the season. They'll go out hunting for glass floats after storms late in the season. Uh, I was out there one time and we found over 500 one day following a storm. It was, uh, it, yeah, everyone was going home with coolers of, of, of the old glass floats. You know, they quit making those, I think, in the 50s or the right. 30s or something. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the the, the one place. Hey, again, hold on, hold on. Before we move on to the next place, uh-huh. I've got to tell you, this whole cast and blast concept sounds fantastic. Fantastic in terms of fishing for coho salmon and you know hunting ducks, maybe hunting ptarmigan in the early season. Do you get to tell the outfitter, hey, I'd like to fish for a couple days and hunt ducks for a couple days, maybe hunt ptarmigan for one day? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a very flexible thing. It's funny you mention that because I, I guess I'm just used to it. But I took my dad up there a couple of years ago, and he's been all over Alaska with me. And and if you were to ask him, hey Jerry, what's your favorite Alaska experience? He'd tell you cold bay in the early season. You know the the, the weather's nice in in September there. You know you're out catching 15 pound coho. It's the biggest size average of coho that I've caught anywhere in the state. Uh, you know there there aren't a ton of them. It's you know you're not going to catch 50 fish a day. 
day. You know, 20 is pretty reasonable. 30 is, you know, very doable a lot of times. But it's a really good size average of them. And then also there are a couple creeks that, that run through um, both the Eisenbeck Lagoon side and the Coal Bay side where chum salmon are spawning. And the Dolly Varden are following the salmon up into these little tiny streams. So you can actually wade fish for these dollies and bead fish your way down, you know, just fishing egg imitations. And my dad absolutely loved that. So so what you do is you play the tides for the, for the brand and the duck hunting, and then you'll get out into the lagoon. So Eisenbeck Lagoon is like the biggest lagoon in the world for eelgrass, which is all that the brand eats. So the brand are moving in there. With the incoming tide, you could, you'll hunt ducks based on the tide. And then you're fishing all other times. So you might, you know, go on a, a three-hour brand hunt, you know, in the middle of the day. But before that, you've got five hours of fishing in, then you come back after the brand hunt and, you know, get two or three more hours of fishing in that afternoon or go ptarmigan hunting, whatever it is you want to do. There's a lot to do there. Oh, my gosh. This sounds like <laughs> a little slice of heaven to me. Yeah. How do I book this trip? So this one, people could just uh, get on my website. It has all the information there. There are the dates for this year that are available there, the, the pricing, to uh, give you a whole list of the species, tell you how to get there. And then just uh, basically outline all the details of what the hunting is like. I even have, have a couple of videos on there that will lay it out for people exactly what to expect. And that website, folks, is scotthaugen.com. Haugen spelled H-A-U-G-E-N, scotthaugen.com. Let's talk about the other destination that you hunt. We've only got about two minutes to do so. Okay. That would be St. Paul, which I always associate with Deadliest Catch. <laughs> That's right. In fact, we were out there uh, hunting king riders one year, and uh, a bunch of the deadliest catch crew came in. So I offered trading them king riders for king crab, but they, they wouldn't go for it. <laughs> this is a place that was shut down for three years because of COVID. The, the residents of the village on St. Paul Island did not want to have outsiders coming in. They even shut down um, a lot of their birding tours in the summer. It's one of the biggest birding destinations on the planet. So they weren't letting anyone in. The people who came in on the commercial crabbing boats had to stay on the boats and they were very leery. There are a lot of elders in that village and they just didn't want to take the chance of COVID spreading. So this last year they had told us that they were closing it down as well and then about two weeks before the season they said hey we're going to decide to open it up. So they did and we were actually underbooked because so many people weren't ready to take the trip even though we had a big waiting list. They weren't ready to take the, the trip on uh, that short of notice and it ended up being by far our best king eider season up there. Just hundreds and hundreds of, of king eiders in the flocks and coming into the decoy. So this hunt starts uh, in late December and goes through um, about the 20th or 22nd or so of January. There are uh, five-day hunts. Those cost $6,500 per hunter. And you're going after king eider. There are quite a few harlequin, uh, long-tailed duck there, as well as scoters, occasional golden eye, and, and illusion green wing there as well. But it's, it's basically the place where people go for king eiders. It's the only place in the U.S. Where, where you can hunt them, and it's not like some of the places where they're hunting them in Greenland now, where they can, you know, they run them down in boats and, you know, shoot them while you're moving type of thing. This is a, a decoying setup. You're out in the bay. Um, you have the decoys strung out behind your boat, which is actually the blind. You'll flag the birds, and you're shooting, shooting them all over decoys, and uh, it, it's a great, great adventure. You're allowed four king, a non-resident is allowed four king eiders per season. You could shoot it in a day or you could shoot them, you know, over the course of the, you know, the five days that you're there hunting. But, but usually, you know, it's going to be cold. It can be rough weather. And, you know, you're hoping to get out, you know, a couple of day, 
days during the time you're there on the boat. If not, if the storms are really bad, you can go on off points of the mainland. All right. Sounds like a wonderful opportunity. So, folks, if you want to book a sea duck hunting trip at St. Paul Island or go to Cold Bay, especially for a casted blast trip for coho salmon and ducks and brant, the website to go to, scotthaugen.com. That's scotthaugen.com. Availability is very limited, so you'll want to book this right away. The website again, scotthaugen.com. Scott, thanks for sharing all of this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Hey, thank you, John. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. I'll tell you what, I always love having Scott Haugen on the air. He is such a great guest with such a wealth of experience. And having Brandon Butler on to talk about May in Missouri when it comes to outdoors activities was wonderful, too. And it's always good to catch up with my friend Steve Crook with Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Hopefully, you can take advantage of that Screamin' July deal they have and head on up there between July 8th and the 11th for $2,600 off a two-person package. As we wrap up, I'd like to again point out that we are doing a GoFundMe campaign for my friend Rhonda Edwards. She is battling cancer. She's been battling cancer for 14 years, but things have gotten very serious very fast. She is looking for some specialized help, and she needs some funds so she can travel to Houston, Texas and get that help. And if you want to help her out, just go to our America Outdoors Radio Facebook page and look for the link to the GoFundMe campaign that says... Help Rhonda Edwards fight cancer. If you don't do Facebook, just go to GoFundMe.com. Again, the campaign is Help Rhonda Edwards Fight Cancer. Anything that you can donate will certainly be appreciated. On that note, it is time to go, and I am going to go bass fishing. I'm doing so in a tournament, and with any luck, my best friend Rusty and I will catch a big bass and maybe, finally, catch a check at a tournament. Here's hoping you get out there to enjoy some of what Mother Nature has to offer you as well, whether it's on the water, in the field, or in the woods. Here's hoping you're blessed in the week ahead, healthy too, and do remember this. It is your country and you're outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. (laughs) 